Thank you for listening to the sermons here at Ascension Lutheran Church. Our worship services happen on Sunday mornings. 8.30 is our traditional worship service, and 10.30 is our contemporary worship service. We'd love to see you on a Sunday morning. You can visit us also on our website at www.alcrpv.org. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this holy moment where we get to hear and experience your grace and your goodness. Lord, we are just amazed that you call us and delight in us, that we get to be in your presence. And you still, you're here now, giving us your peace and your truth and your life. And so, Lord, we ask that you come into this place, that you ignite my words, that you fill them up with your Holy Spirit so that they're not mine, but they're yours. So you take and transform this place. Lord, we need you to chisel eyes and ears out of granite heads so that we can see and hear what you are doing. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Talking about the gospel, the, the good news, what God has given. And Lisa and I worked on this little logo, and we believe it'll take us through our Lenten time as well. But simple, beautiful words given for you, that the gospel is given to you as a gift, something that you can do nothing to earn or to receive, but God just gives it to you. And it's on a church door, and um, just a kind of neat thing about church doors is historically, church doors are red, and they're painted red, and the reason that is is that you go in through the blood of Jesus, right, to enter into this place. And so that red door reminds us that every time we step in, we step through the doors into the place of God because Jesus has made that way. And so we started talking last week about the gospel and what the gospel does and what it is. And we use this image of a story. And I just want to give you kind of a brief overview of where we were. We talked about the the setting is this beautiful creation that God has made. All these things has God has made. And he put us, the characters, in it as the pinnacle of creation. You and me. We are the beloved We are his treasures. And then we fell. And we broke this relationship. And so we have this severed relationship between God and man. And then throughout the Old Testament, we see these clues. There will come a day when I'm going to reconcile my people. Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. We talked about the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel. That God's doing something. He's on the move. And then silence. And in Malachi, we have, or we have 300 years after Malachi of silence. And we learned this word, eutatastrophe. The moment in the story when all hope seems lost, when it seems like you can't go on, when, when Sleeping Beauty's castle has been covered up with weeds and you're, she's never going to be found. And then in hats, Prince Charming. The moment when all hope seems lost and then the story turns. We love this moment. And then Jesus enters the story. The the Christ child comes in Bethlehem and he lives a life and teaches and miracles and calls disciples. And then it seems like he loses again. The Romans win. They put him on a cross. They kill him. He's dead in the tomb. All hope is lost. 
and then another eutatastrophe. God resurrects. Jesus comes back to life. The story has been sealed. Jesus conquers death, bursts forth from the tomb, and then he walks around on the planet and be, and he is with his disciples and with his people for like 50 days. He's just with them, living, eating, doing things, doing life. And we have all these little stories of him with his disciples in his resurrected body. My favorite is being by the lake shore when he's cooking fish on the charcoal grill. And he says to Peter, feed my sheep. And he reconciles with Peter. All these amazing stories. And you can just see the disciples going, yeah, finally, victory. He's won. He's done it. Here he is. We get to be with Jesus. Our guy, he won, right? Like the best team victory ever. And then Jesus goes, by the way, I'm going to leave. And they say, this is a bad plan. We know, not a good idea. You stay, you rose from the dead, you're here, you do this. He says, no, 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 no. I'm gonna leave and it's good that I leave. And and as he leaves, he, he tells his people, he says this, he says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and remember I am with you always to the very end of the age, Matthew 28. And as he says this, then Jesus ascends. And this is where we get our church name, Ascension, is from this moment. When Jesus ascends and the disciples and they're going, but hey, we can really still use you down here. You know, things aren't great. You want us to do it all now? A little intimidated, Right? You can see that happening. But I want for a moment for you to play the game in your mind. What if he stayed? What if he hadn't left? What would happen? Well, I imagine that if he had just you know, camped out in Jerusalem, we would have been like the disciples. We'd say, hey, it's good that you're here. Let's build you a house. And then we all go to the Jesus house. And we worship Jesus in Jerusalem where he is. And, and at some point in your life, you have to do a pilgrimage to, to the Jesus house. And then that area would start to become more and more people, right? Living around that area, closer and closer to the Jesus house. And what happens when people start to live really close by each other? Usually not great things. And all of a sudden, you know, all this violence and different things going on around it. Jesus in the house, he's walking around. People want to be by him. I mean, the logistics of this would just be a mess, How many followers would he have on Instagram, right? I mean, it would be a very, very interesting thing for this all to take place. But Jesus knew our temptation as humans. He knew what we would do. So what does he say? He says, I'm leaving and it's good because I'm never gonna leave you alone. The end of the verse. For surely I am with you always. And as he teaches that he's leaving, he's saying, but I will still be here. Not as an embodied, incarnate Lord sitting in Jerusalem where you can all huddle around me and have me do everything, but no, you, you're going to become the church. And so God promises to pour down his Holy Spirit on us so that we are filled up with him. So that the light is not all centralized in one location in Jerusalem, but it gets spread out. 
throughout the church by each of us carrying the ton of fire out into the world where we go. So when Jesus teaches that he's going away, he also promises to send the Spirit. And so he says this, I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. I want to do two things with this. The first is I want to zoom in on this word advocate, okay? One of my favorite Greek words ever. This is the Greek word that sits behind that English word advocate. And it's pronounced, you can see, para. Kletos, or paraclete is how you might have heard it before. And what's so cool is this word is actually found in English dictionaries. It's found in English dictionaries because when they were translating the King James Version of the Bible, they got to this word and they thought, if we give it one English definition, we will be eliminating other truths about God with us. And they didn't know how to translate it that way. So what they did was they just said, we'll just transliterate it, and then you have to look it up. What is the paraclete? Well, the paraclete, and the reason it's so hard to define, is that first part of the word, para. Para puts things in relationship, in space, to one another in the Greek language. So in para, it can either be the one who is in front of us, the one who is to the side of us, or the one who is behind us, the paraclete. Now, if he is in front of us, he's our advocate, right? He's the one who goes before us, clearing out a way, making a way possible. I always picture it like God, the Holy Spirit, with a machete in a jungle, right? Just macheting stuff in front of us so that we can go. And God is clearing out a way. A brief side story on a machete. Um, when we were in Costa Rica this last uh, Thanksgiving, we went to a sloth sanctuary and the leader of our little tour, he had a machete. And as soon as Isaac realized that the leader had a machete, he no longer cared about sloths. All he wanted to do was hold the machete, right? And he got zeroed in on that and couldn't tell. So I want to give you just a little, here's Isaac. Probably the highlight of his Costa Rica trip was holding the machete. God in front of us. God goes before us, the paraclete leading us, advocating for us in front of us, giving us away. Okay, paraclete, God to the side of us. If God is to the side of us, my, what I always imagine is God walking with us as a friend walks with us and able to give us counsel, able to listen to us. So you know, tonight we're going to have a prayer service, a Vesper service. God hears our prayers. God, show, God is in this room listening. God is right there when you're up at night and you don't know which direction to go. When you cry out, you don't have words. God listens. He's here with you. 
giving you himself, the paraclete standing right to the side of you, giving you counsel. God behind us. I always imagine this as comforter. That when you fall and you can't stand anymore, God's there to catch you and to hold you. Or that bear hug from behind, when you don't know if you have strength to go on, God holding you from behind and giving you strength. You see, if in English they had only put advocate, then you'd say, oh, okay, that's what God is. He's our advocate. He's in front of us. He's macheting the way. If they'd only put comforter or counselor, oh, okay, he's listening to me. Oh, he's holding me. But no, this is the beautiful thing of the paraclete. He is all those things, all those times, every time for you. You have a paraclete. You have the paraclete with you and for you. God, Jesus Christ, incarnate, rose up and ascended. And when he did so, he sent his spirit down to be in us so that God is then in front of us, to the side of us, behind us, and in us. So we are not alone. So then he says, you're not alone. Yeah, it's going to feel different. But if I was still here, you would just worship me in Jerusalem and it would be a mess. But if I leave and send my spirit, then all of you become little lights going out. My spirit goes out amongst the world and gives to the world what it needs. The paraclete in us. The paraclete around us. Now I said two things with this verse. I used this verse um, two weeks ago when we had a pastor's prayer meeting. And I was leading it, and um, we did a Letio Divina, which is basically just sitting in the Word and just enjoying the Scripture passage, read out loud a couple of times, not teaching on it, just enjoying the words and sitting in it. And I used this passage. It felt what God was um, telling me to use by the, by the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. And as I listened this lightning bolt, this kind of zap, this, this light bulb went on. And the verse where he says, you know, he's sending the advocate, the Holy Spirit's gonna be with us. And then he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And for the longest time, I've always thought of that as like, oh, okay, Christians will be at peace. We'll have, but really, Christians face just as much trouble as the rest of the world, right? We have all sorts of issues, so what kind of peace does God give? Well, he gives us the paraclete. And in giving us the paraclete, in giving us the one who goes for us, we have peace. Not because it's easy, but because he is with us and he is for us. Imagine going on a dangerous journey. But when you go, you know that you have a guide who knows the way. And you have a guide who will advocate for you. And you have a guide who will give his life for you. When you're about to set off on that journey, you will have peace, not because the journey is easy, but because the guide is with you. When Jesus teaches that he leaves us with peace, I think it's another way of saying, I'm giving you myself so that you may have peace on this journey. 
I'm not going to make the journey peaceful. I'm going to be present with you in the journey. My peace I leave you. So Jesus ascended, and as he ascends, he sends down his Holy Spirit. He sends down his Holy Spirit so that we then can have peace. Peace, not because of our circumstances, but peace because of what he gives to us. And so he says this, the gospel then is made manifest, is made alive through the Holy Spirit living through people of every tongue. So God chose us to do his work. And what's so amazing is that God doesn't pick us because of our background or what we've done in the past for him. He chooses all people to be with him all the time. And this is what God's presence is for us. And that's what's so incredible. But now, what happened was the Jews and the Israelites, when they heard this message, they thought, yeah, we're the ones who are getting the message. We are God's favorite people. We're God's chosen people. We're God's blessed people. And then something strange happened. When the fire came down, it didn't just come down on the Israelites, but it came down on the Gentiles. It came down on the people from Italy, from Rome. It came down from the people from Greece. It came down on people all over the world. So God's people were not just this little group, but everybody. And the Israelites, the Jews, had a major issue with this. And so you have Peter, they're teaching in Jerusalem, teaching to primary Jewish people. And it is hard for me to stand up here and tell you with words how difficult this was for them. God's love cannot extend to those people. The Holy Spirit cannot be in those people. And this issue happened way back at the beginning. Peter was teaching to the Jews in Jerusalem, and then this guy, Paul, was teaching to the Gentiles outside of Jerusalem. And he was taking it, the message out to more and more and more people. And the church looked different every day because now the Ethiopians are in the church and the Greeks are in the church and the Spanish are in the church and the Germans are in the church and all of these people are in the church and it looks so different. God's love spreads out to all people. Remember where we started with this sermon series. God's first word is always welcome. It's always welcome. He welcomes people of every tribe, every ton, every nation into his kingdom. How? Because of what he has done. Because of his grace, his mercy. And so Paul teaches to the Galatians, and he says to them, he says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, Yet we know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by doing the works of the law because no one will be justified by the works of the law. It does not matter where you come from. God loves you and gives you his paraclete. It does not matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter the name you tell yourself of liar, 
cheater, adulterer, thief, murderer, whatever name you tell yourself at two o'clock in the morning, lying in bed, saying, I can't believe I still do this thing. God loves you. Not because of who you are or works of the law, but because of what he has done. And he gives you his paraclete. And in this, he makes a new people. You see, this is volume two. Volume one ended when Jesus burst forth from the tomb, but then he looks to us and says, you're going to be volume two. You're going to take this message and you're going to have it go all the way over the earth. Not just centralized around my body, but sent out by the paraclete. And so you, yes, you, because as soon as somebody, as soon as I said you, someone went, well, not me. Yeah, you, that person. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the paraclete with you. You have the one who goes in front of you, to the side of you, and behind you. He has not abandoned you. He is your advocate. He is your comforter, and he is your counselor. He has given you himself, and in so doing, he's made a new people, his church. The body of Christ. And this is what we do as the church. And this is an awesome vision for who we are they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time oh, together, I just lost the connection. Tom, if you know this, in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. What an amazing vision of the people of God and the Holy Spirit. And that is still alive today. That is happening today. This is who we are, awe-filled people, grace-filled people, wonder-filled people willing to give of ourselves, willing to help each other, willing to support each other. Not because we're trying to earn God's love, but because the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, goes before us, to the side of us, and behind us. He is here. He's alive. The only way this sermon is doing anything is by the power of the paraclete. The only way the worship band and the, and the choir moves us is by the power of the paraclete. The only way that I can serve my neighbor in love and humility is by the power of the paraclete. And God has not abandoned us. You have peace. Peace because of what he has done for you. Peace because he has not abandoned you. You have a guide who is your advocate, who is your counselor, and who is your comforter. So let us go knowing that, being those people. Heavenly Father, we <coughs> thank you that you are the paraclete, that you, you left, but you did not leave us. You, you ascended into heaven, and when we were afraid because we felt alone, but you reminded us again that you are for us and you are with us. So Lord, as we go forth, as we come down this aisle and we hear these words again, this is the body of Christ broken for you. 
the blood of Christ shed for you. Help us to be reminded that you are our ever-present guide on the journey. The days when we feel alone, we can turn to you and simply say, Paraclete, help. Come, Lord Jesus. You do not abandon, you do not forsake us. When joy is bubbling over, when we have to laugh with our friends and enjoy good food and good drink with our friends, you fill the air with your joy. When awe and wonder come, you bring us to the edge of the ocean, to our view, to look at the mountains, and we get to engage in your glorious presence. Lord, give us your peace and your hope. Let us be reminded that you are with us and you are for us. Let us hear these words and know that you are our ever-present guide on this journey.